Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter on Zoom with Eli McCann. Eli, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm pretty amazed that we are still the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture, considering that, you know, the whole world's burning to the ground. In these uncertain times. <laughs> yeah. You know what it reminds me of? I was thinking about this morning. Did you ever see the 90s um, adaptation of the Stephen King novel, The Stand? It was like a four-part four part television primetime series. And the whole movie or series is about like this pandemic that sweeps across the world and it has a 100% like death rate, but like a handful of people in the world are immune somehow but there's this scene where kathy bates is hosting like a a radio program and she's like sort of like the this conspiracy theorist radio programmer and despite the fact that like the world is burning to the ground she still finds a way to get her broadcast out and she's like this is so and so from such and such station just putting myself out there for anybody who happens to be alive and listening so we're kind of like that except except you know we're watching a lot of tv in the meantime I wish we were conspiracy theorists podcast. <laughs> I love we a good. Start, we could start a new one, Meg. We could do. I, we could do another podcast. Love conspiracy theories. What's, but your like, What's your favorite? The Denver airport. We've talked about this. Oh yeah, I've been meaning to research that. Yeah, you should. In fact, I listened to the Strangerville with Tyler, and mm-hmm. I was. I wanted you know when like you start talking to your podcast. Yeah. I like was wanting to talk to Tyler and be like, let's talk about the Denver airport because that place is insane. It's funny that you say that, Meg, because so for those who don't know, Meg and I host a podcast called Strangerville where we do storytelling. We interview people. And and this week I interviewed somebody who is a flight attendant based out of Denver. And while I was interviewing him, I thought there's some kind of conspiracy about the Denver airport and I couldn't remember who told me about it or what it was. And I almost asked him, but then it was like, not the point of what we were talking about. And I'm glad you reminded me that that was you that did that. Yeah. We should talk to him about it because it's wild. Anyway, that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about what we've been watching. So Eli, tell me what. A couple, just a couple of things. Um, So I finally watched Knives Out. Oh, what do you think? It's really fun. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a very fun movie. Daniel Craig kind of ruins it for me. You think so? Meg, he is terrible. No, terrible. I loved it. I loved his performance. I thought it was so fun. What about his Southern accent? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it so much. It was so throwbacky and pulpy and just like fun. And you could just tell that he like hates being James Bond and he just wants to do more of this stuff. Okay. Well, so and I, I didn't look into this at all, but has there been a lot of like chatter about his Southern accent in this movie? Like have people talked yeah. about it? Yeah. And I think it's pretty polarizing in that some people just thought it was great. And some people are like, that was wackadoo. Um, um, but, you know, I think, I think it indicates how seriously you're supposed to take the movie, which is not very... Right. It's just a romp. So Right. It's a, it is a really fun movie. I would very highly recommend it. Um Skyler and I watched it and like it's it's a murder mystery but like it's never stressful really. No. Yeah. Um and and it's it's funny at times and it's got like some fun twists. Uh it's it's like Clue but with like different types of twists and so I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, Clue's a good 
point of reference. I think if you like Clue, you'll like Knives Out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I rewatched recently rewatched Castaway for the first time in like 20 years. Weird, that's a, right? That's a weird quarantine pick. I think that would make me feel more claustrophobic. It's, you know what, it was funny. Um, it, it was an interesting quarantine pick because I felt like I related to him on this weird level mm-hmm. because he's sort of like stuck somewhere trying to make do. And it's obviously like a very different situation, but I kind of forgot how good that movie is. Um, my memory is that it was boring and slow because the whole like middle section, there's not a word spoken, there's no music, but like watching him figure out how to do stuff was just kind of like pleasant. And I mean, who doesn't love Tom Hanks, you know? Totally. Bless his heart. Um, and then, uh, finally, um, and I, I'm sorry to continually lately make the Hive Mind podcast, a survivor podcast, but I just want to say one thing real quick. By all means. <laughs> I, I've been watching a lot of Survivor lately and consuming a lot of media around Survivor, old seasons, the current season, so forth. Um, right now, there is a topic of conversation that is sort of permeating all of like the various Survivor universe, and that is that the show has gotten increasingly, you and I have talked about, Meg, the show has gotten increasingly complicated and the gameplay has gotten increasingly like more and more complicated. And because of that, the producers have tried to keep up by um, it, like introducing new elements of the game to, tr- to try and make it more compelling to watch. And in recent years, the, the game has become sometimes really chaotic and it's expressed itself in one way that has drummed up kind of a lot of like debate lately. And that is that tribal councils a couple of years ago um, it, it used to be the case that everybody, there'd be like this great editing. People would kind of figure out how they were going to vote that night. It would go to tribal council. There would be sort of a general conversation with Jeff Probst and then everybody would go vote. And yeah. a couple of years ago, everybody got to tribal council and somebody got up, walked across um, over to the other side of like where people were sitting and started whispering in someone's ears. And then it just pandemonium like broke out. And suddenly everybody's like, within the tribal council is standing up and whispering to each other and trying to, you know, make these like fast decisions. And it was very exciting when it happened. But since then, what has happened is periodically, like a few times a season that will occur and it's just total chaos. And by the time they vote as a viewer, you have no idea what's going on. And so people are starting to get kind of frustrated. And this happened in the most recent episode that aired last week. And it's getting to a point where like, it's not, it's not as fun to watch. The show is still fantastic and it's the best TV I've ever seen. But when this is happening, it's like, well, this isn't, this isn't like as exciting to watch as a viewer because I don't know what's happening. And so it just feels like a total crapshoot. And so I think for my survivor friends out there, I think that we're going to see at the end of this season um, and in the upcoming seasons, they're going to have to institute new rules to try and rein that in because Mm -hmm. people are losing patience with it. And I don't know what those rules can look like. And I think it's going to be super fascinating to see how the game changes to try and, and like rein in this beast that I feel like the producers have allowed to come out. That's interesting you say that because I always, I mean, I've only watched what, like eight episodes ever. Um, but I always think I know what they're going to do and then they do something else. So I feel like already, like I don't actually know how it's going to go. Yeah. And and you're watching the current season. So you're seeing like more chaotic survivor. If, If you went back 10 years ago, like what was typically the case is 
prior to going into tribal council, there would be like two or three options on the table that you knew like the various people were considering. And there was usually like one or two people who were kind of the swing boats and the producers would like cut it so that it wasn't, you didn't know how it was going to turn out, but you saw like the possibilities. And so when you'd go to tribal council, it was really fun because it'd be like, is she going to do this or is she going to do this? You know, and then there might be like a little bit, like an extra layer of the complication. Now people are going in and everybody's just like whispering at each other. You can't hear what they're saying. People are getting up and like walking over. And then by the time they go to vote, you're just like, I have no idea. Interesting. And, and it's still fun to watch, but it was more fun when you could kind of like track the game and be like, oh, she should do this because that will be better. But it looks like she doesn't know about this information. So she might do that. And so I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I obviously will watch the show no matter what they do. Um, but I hope that they come up with a solution to this. Are you still liking it? Okay. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch in a few nights, but I I like it. It's good and fun and interesting. I don't like the challenges. I oh. always tune out for the challenges. In fact, I really, I just like like the back half of episodes once challenges yeah. are over and there's all the scheming. The first part, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, looking I at get, my phone. Yeah, I get it. I don't like... I tend not to really care that much about challenges until about the last like four or five episodes because they start to matter a lot more. Okay. Um, but um, this season is an exception for me because I just like all of these people so much that I, I like seeing them compete in a physical game as well. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I get it. Yeah. Anything else? No. What have you been watching? So we this week watched a movie that's on Netflix and you know, Netflix has made an algorithm for me. They've, discovered that I enjoy rom-coms and British things. So they suggested that I watch Love Wedding Repeat, which is, in fact, a British rom-com. It's not good, but (laughs) I enjoyed it. Okay. And I don't know if it's just because it's British that I enjoyed it, but it's, like, very charming. It's dumb. It's 100% dumb, but it is just kind of enjoyable to sit and watch. It's about a wedding in an Italian countryside and, you know, an ex shows up and mayhem ensues and a sleeping pill is slipped to someone it's not supposed to go to. Just very silly plot devices. Like a bot wrote it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's like starring charming people with charming accents. They're like, I'm not mad at this. Should it win an award? No, but I would watch it again. Uh, I finally convinced my husband to watch National Treasure with me. That's right. How did it go? It is worse than I remember, if you can believe it. I (laughs) I knew when I saw it in 2004, I knew it was bad. So add, what is it, the 16 years to that, and you're like, oh boy, this is really bad. Not only is it just a bad movie, but like what they're wearing is ridiculous. The music's ridiculous. The look of it is ridiculous. And obviously the plot is insane. It's fun if yeah. you're up for, I want to laugh at Nicolas Cage for a while. It's way too long. It's about an hour too long. But if you need something mindless. How do you come sure. down on Nicolas Cage generally? Oh, I adore Nicolas Cage. Every bad decision he makes in his career, I just love him more. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because I started with Raising Arizona, which I love. I adore that yeah. movie. And just... <laughs> I just feel like the guy's trying to pay his bills and I respect it. Yeah. You know what movie I legitimately love of his is The Family Man. 
with oh, Taya Leone. Yeah, it's good. That's a movie I could watch over and over and over again. And it's like, is it Schindler's List? No. No. But it's like a really happy movie to sit in. I feel like it was on TBS all the time for a yeah. while. So I was always watching Family Man. Yeah. Yeah, Nicholas Cage, he's actually in a movie that Stephen loves called Mandy, which is insane, uh, kind of a horror, like psychedelic horror that a lot of people really like and it's kind of turning into a cult favorite. I don't think it's my jam, but there are people who adore that movie and I think it kind of marks a resurgence for Nicolas Cage. Or mm-hmm. not, who knows. Um, we are re-watching Community. Oh, how is it? it? I forgot how much I love the show. It's on Netflix. We finished 30 Rock and we just needed another kind of familiar comedy. And we, so we started this. It's so fun. Um, and it's really funny because the first season, you can tell that the network was like, okay, we need this to be like a real sitcom. We need love interests and stuff. And the, so they try and develop these like romantic stories between characters. And having watched all of Community and knowing where they end up in like completely bonkers places, it's just really funny to see them try and fit this traditional sitcom mold in the beginning because you know eventually they abandon it completely and all the characters become completely bananas and I'm really enjoying that journey it's it but even in the beginning when they're trying to make it a standard sitcom it's really funny the jokes are really sharp it's really interesting um because one of the main characters is Muslim and I this it started in 2009 and there's all these kind of references to kind of racism against Muslims. And I just feel like maybe I'm naive, but we're not seeing as much of that anymore. We still have obviously tons of racism, but it doesn't feel as targeted as Muslim at Muslims as it used to. And so that's kind of like an interesting time capsule to look at and see where we were as a nation at that time. I'm enjoying that aspect of it. Not the racism, but that uh, kind of going back to that time, what we were dealing with then. Well, it does seem like, you know, obviously 2001, maybe for the next 10 years, we were talking about that a lot more. I mean, if we talk to a Muslim person now, they might tell you, no, it's the same or worse. But from my perspective, I felt like that was a hot topic in media for that 10 year period. And now I I don't think maybe we just got tired of the topic or I don't know what it is, but I think you're right. Like, I don't see that addressed in the same way as we used to address it. There's like a whole 30 Rock episode on it. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm obviously, again, still tons of racism. But I just wonder if we're dealing with all kinds of more racism. And so it doesn't feel quite as targeted as it did then. Um, And I'm still loving making the cut an Amazon show, uh, a ripoff of Project Runway, like a better Project Runway. Highly recommend it. Naomi Campbell is a judge on that show and she's insane and I love her. Hmm. Uh, And then someone actually today sent me a YouTube video called All COVID Commercials Are the Same. I really recommend you look this up on YouTube. It's so funny. It goes through, it breaks down every COVID commercial you know, from Target, from FedEx, from Google, and they all start out with like this somber piano music, and they all say, in these uncertain times, times yeah. we are with you. We will get through this uncharted territory together. And then the piano music speeds up, and it's like a cut of like thousands of commercials that are all doing the same. Funny. 
And you're like, you guys don't care. FedEx doesn't care if I survive COVID-19. So look it up. It's on YouTube. All COVID commercials are the same if you want to laugh. And then Eli, (laughs) I downloaded Quibi, which for Mm -hmm. those who don't know, Quibi is a streaming service. And the whole point is that they are vertical videos. So they're videos that you watch on your phone the way you'd normally hold your phone to do anything. Um, And they are five minute videos. But it doesn't have to be vertical. It does. No, Did you try and rotate your phone? Yeah, and then it, it presents a completely different view. Interesting, because I tried to flip one when I was watching one, and it wouldn't flip. Really? So the two shows that I watched, if you watch it vertically, it, you know, it fills your screen. But if you flip it, it gives you a broader view. But they have filmed it in a way that the, what's happening in the center is really all you need to see. I see. Interesting. Anyway. Uh, so I think, I think my understanding is that if you uh, subscribe to a show, you, you get an episode a day. So five minutes a day, um, which is an interesting concept. When they started to announce the kind of shows that they were putting on Quibi, it sounded like the episode of 30 Rock where Jack Donaghy has to come up with shows and it's like Ghost Dad. Yeah. And it's like the detective who can't smell. Um, mm-hmm. It's like Milf Island, like just all these insane premises that have become reality. So I've watched a few of these. Um, Eli, let's start with Murder House Flip. So is that what it's called? Murder House Flip? I I'm keep getting the order of those words wrong. Me too. I kept calling it Murder Flip House, but it's yeah. Murder House Flip. So these are people who, for whatever reason, live in a house where once upon a time someone was murdered. A murderer murdered someone in their house. And these two designers come in and say, we're going to redo your space so you forget that someone was murdered in this home. (laughs) And one of the designers, the female designer, every time is like, are you telling me someone was murdered in this home? And you're like... Girlfriend, what show do you think you're on? You know the name of the show, don't you? And every time she's like, you mean to tell me they were stabbed in your home? <laughs> and then they, so they, you know, that's one episode. They go through the murder. That's five minutes. The next five minutes are, here are Joanna, Gaines, and Chip, except they're not. They're like rip off Chip and Joanna. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do to your house. Spoiler alert, it's slip flap every time. Uh, We're going to paint the exterior. We're going to maybe paint your door. The funny thing is you can tell their budget is really small. Oh, yeah. So they're usually doing like one room. And it's usually the room where someone was murdered. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's another five minutes that are the reveal. And it's like, look, we added a new coat of paint. So for sure, the ghosts aren't going to be here anymore. And it's like, do ghosts care (laughs) if you redo the fireplace? Is well, that what it takes to get I, rid of a ghost? I feel like this show isn't quite sure what it's trying to accomplish. There are two things that are happening. One is it doesn't know if it's trying to get rid of the ghost or trying to get the people to not think about the ghosts. So like they're do, they do these things and they're like, and this way it feels like a new place and maybe you won't remember someone was murdered here and maybe the ghosts will go away. Well, but the other thing that's happening is they also... I think periodically remember that they have, they're trying to be a niche show because there are already a million of these shows on TV. So they have to remind you repeatedly what the point of their show is. So they will be like, 
they'll, they'll be like remodeling or, you know, whatever, like, oh, we can paint this. And um, yeah, we should really do a lighter color so it doesn't feel so dark in here in both ways. You know, and like, <laughs> it's, like every, it's almost like every minute and a half on the dot, they're like, yeah, and then we can do new carpet because this is where murder happens. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, we we get it. Like that's why you're there. You don't have to remind us about the murder. <laughs> and every episode, they're like, you know what? The murder weapon was never found. And yeah. you can tell they like desperately want to find a gun, like under <laughs> a floorboard, and they never do. I don't know if you made it this far, but they do get to one episode where they pull up bathroom flooring, and they're like, "What's this red stuff? If we spray it with this foam, it shows that it's organic material." And they spray it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, it's blood!" And it's like it's in a bathroom. Like, who knows whose blood that is, or like what? It could be urine. Who knows? They are so so looking for evidence that, like, you know, the murder happened there. Great. You know what? I keep thinking, I, I, while I was watching it, I kept thinking about something that Tiger King gave us. Um, and I don't even remember who it was in Tiger King. All of those characters blend together to me. But there was one guy who was like, they, they showed this one guy in Tiger King constantly trying to direct the cameraman and be like, well, come up here and then show me sitting here. And then I'll like start talking to you. Yeah. But they wouldn't cut that out. And so they would just show this guy. And I kept thinking about that while watching Murder Flip House or Murder House Flip or whatever, because like the two people would like march up to the house and they'd ring the doorbell and someone opens the door and they're like, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. And it's like, yes, you did. Like there's a camera inside the house with you. You know, like it's just so hammy. And I, I know all of these shows are, but you see it extra when the budget is low. <laughs> like, yeah. And the budget, I think the budget for this thing is like $4. <laughs> they go to a nursery and they're like, can we afford the hydrangeas? I don't know. Maybe we should get this one. And I'm like, this is more stressful than the murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give these people more money. Anyway, so Murder House Flip, I'll be honest, I'm going to watch every episode of this thing. Sure. It doesn't take a ton of time. It really makes me laugh. Some of the people are so weird. Yeah. Can't get enough of it. Uh, I watched 50 States of Fright. Did you watch that one? No, I have not watched that one. So Sam Raimi is doing this. Sam Raimi did, he did uh, like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and he did, did you ever see Drag Me to Hell? Mm -mm. So it's pretty campy humor, uh, or sorry, campy horror and I guess humor because it's kind of funny. So he's doing this where he's going through every state and doing what I think are like urban legends. So in this one, a woman gets her arm chopped off and is <laughs> insists that her husband replace it with a gold arm. And then, spoiler alert, she dies from gold poisoning. But she insists on being buried with the arm. And so he has to go grave rob his wife's grave and get the arm. And she comes back to haunt him. It's insane. <laughs> Dishmantled. Did you watch Dishmantled? No. Oh my gosh, Eli, dismantled. So it's Titus uh, Burgess. Is that oh, yes. Yeah, Burgess. He's the host. The premise is they have two chefs, okay? And they have the chefs dressed in like uh, kind of hazmat suits and goggles so they can't see anything. And they take a food, like a prepared dish, like a lasagna. They explode it at them. They like shoot it out of a cannon at them. And then they have, I think... 30 seconds to taste all the food that's in pieces all around them and recreate the dish. 
And they bring in, they bring in celebrity what? judges. Like Anthony from Queer Eye was one of them. No. Judges. Yeah. And Dan Levy. You know, it's like all of Titus's friends who he can just call and be like, uh, can you come do this weird show? It's only going to take five minutes. And so they come and they're the guest judges. And then these chefs recreate food that's not even close to what was shot at them because how could it be and then they somehow decide on a winner it's not really clear front end five minutes a whole episode five minutes (laughs) you know what like all of these shows have the energy of the that the shows the wormwoods watch on matilda yes sticky money show (laughs) yes yes and I love them for that. It also, the prize is $5,000. And I'm like, does that cover the flights for them to get to LA to film this? Like, you clearly have, none of these shows have any money. And it's so funny. The final show I watched is Chrissy's Court with okay. Chrissy Teigen. Couldn't do Meg, it. Couldn't get through an episode. I am all in on Chrissy's Court. You I are. Tell me why. Chrissy's Court is amazing television. So this is Chrissy Teigen. And it's like, I guess, kind of a parody on court, like daytime court shows. Like Judge Judy. Which, like Judge Judy, which is like, I cannot think of a more depressing thing than watching court TV in the middle of the day. And have you ever seen Hot Bench? Have I seen Hot Bench? Yes. Hot, Hot Bench is the worst of them all. And every time I like see it on a TV, it's usually at the gym, I'll like see it on a TV. Like I actually feel sadder. And for anybody who hasn't seen Hot Bench, it's like these three judges, instead of one, you get three Judge Judy sitting up on the bench and they all they're all in like these tailored robes and they like ask these poignant questions. But they're hot. They, they're hot judges. They're all hot judges. And, and it's they, like always on a Jiffy Loop for whatever yeah. reason. <laughs> and then they go they go back into chambers and deliberate together and they're, they just like throw out legal jargon that makes no sense. I'll be like, wow, the jurisprudence of the objections <laughs> is res judicata. And then they go out and like issue their ruling. So Chrissy Teigen's show is just like, it's the exact same as all of these others, except that they just acknowledge that she has absolutely zero like background to do yeah. this. So she like walks out and I think it is so funny. I love Chrissy Teigen. John Legend walks in in about half of the episodes as an expert yeah. witness. And it's people with incredibly stupid problems um, like there was, there's an episode where like these two, these two boyfriends come in and they argue over, um, the, a gift that one of them got their niece and the other one wants money because he hates that they paid for this stupid gift. Yeah. And so they like, and, um, Chrissy Teigen's mom is the bailiff and she's a big old mess. This show is like, I will watch every episode that they put out. Why, why did you have a hard time with it? I think I have a hard time with John Legend. Really? I just, he's so boring. Like, I love Chrissy, but I think John Legend is so boring. And he walked in and I was like, "Mm, just let Chrissy do it. Well, she, I mean, she's 95% of it. Like, he he, he pops in here and there. He's not even in every episode. Um, But, like, her kids are, like, sitting in the back and screaming (laughs) the whole time. I mean, this show is a complete mess. The very first episode, her mom... Like her mom, whose English is okay, but like clearly a second language, like says, like announces her and is like, Judge the Honorable Miss Judge Chrissy. And Chrissy <laughs> Teigen walks out and she's like, So we're going with that? We're not going to reshoot that? And she's like, Okay. And she just goes and sits on the bench. It is 
so charming. And she, like, if you love Chrissy Teigen, she gives you everything that you love about her yeah. in this show. Yeah, so. I, I don't know. Maybe it was because I had just watched Dismantled and I was a little quibbied out. But uh, <laughs> have you ever watched any of the other programming? It's, I've only watched The Murder Flip House and Chrissy's Court. So, I mean, it, it's, it's not a bad idea. Uh, I think the problem with Quibi right now is their programming is just a little insane. And for me right now in quarantine, that's not a bad thing. It's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. The trial for Quibi is three months. It'll be interesting to see how I feel about the service at the end of yeah. those three months. I'm sure I'll forget and I'll end up paying for at least a month. Um, but if it's something I'll want to keep, if there's one show that's really going to hook me and I will feel like it's worth whatever it is a month or not right now, I think that I would not continue paying, but yeah, I don't know. They've got three months ramp up content. You know what the most valuable thing about it to me is, um, I don't like, I don't have a TV in front of me during the work day, but every once in a while I'm, I have to do like some kind of mindless work, like respond to some emails or, you know, organize my inbox. And I'm, and I always think like, oh, I should pull up something on YouTube or whatever. And it's very easy to just like set my phone up next to my computer monitor, hit a Quibi show. It's like mindless entertainment while I like do some mindless work. It's, I think it's nice for that purpose. Yeah. And it's very, it's meant to be snack sized, right? Because yeah. sometimes you don't have time to sit and watch 30 minutes, but you have time for five. I mean, you're on the bus or you're waiting for an appointment or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's not the worst idea in the world. Yeah. <laughs> or it could end up being the worst idea in the world. <laughs> I don't know. They got an insane amount of money. It'll be interesting to see if they can do anything with it. Eli, that's it for us today but we will be back next week to talk about more of what we've been watching uh so everybody we will see you then bye